Welcome back to another episode where today I'm joined by one of the world's leading authorities on brain fitness and neuroplasticity, Dr. Michael Mertzenich. He's not only the brain behind Brain HQ, a leading brain fitness program, but also the author of Softwired, how the new signs of brain plasticity can change your life. In nearly 50 years of world-leading research on how our brains can change, Dr. Mertzenich has helped invent the cochlear implant, published over 150 scientific papers on brain plasticity, and helped people all over the world build better brains. So Dr. Mertzenich, welcome to the show. That's nice to be with you, Max. And I'm so excited to have you today because what I love about your work is you're not just a phenomenal researcher, but you also have this ability to then take the research on all this complicated stuff. And I've read a lot of your research papers and they're hard to read <laughs> for yeah. the average person. <laughs> but you have the ability to take that then into a normal language so that the general yeah. population, everyday people can actually benefit from it. And so yeah. one of the, the great myths that you've busted throughout your career is this idea of the static brain. This idea that you're either born smart or dumb, happy or unhappy, you know, quick with it or not. And that's essentially how you're going to stay. But that's not really the case as you found, is it? It is not the case. The brain is a, is a work in progress and it, it, it operates as a function of how it's engaged and it's subject to continuous advance and improvement. But of course, in order to advance and improve, you have to engage it in, a, in ways that drive that positive age, right? So, but it is, it's, it's a wonderful asset in that we have the power within us, every one of us, to move it in a positive direction at any point in life. Yes, it really is a, a powerful, powerful um, ability of the human brain, right? So if, if we're really going to drill down into neuroplasticity or brain plasticity, can you maybe for our listeners share a little bit about what that is and how we can use that to our advantage? Well, the brain actually changes physically and functionally as a function of how you use it. It actually advances, it advances in its processing capability. So it's a, it's a very modestly formed machine when you're born, and it actually improves its processing capacity, its powers. It's like you have a factory in which you have machinery in it when, when you start that has, doesn't, isn't really ready to make anything useful. But actually the machinery evolves as you engage it. And it rewires itself very complexly. I mean, the brain is the most complicated machine on the planet Earth to start with. But it has this incredible ability to specialize itself as a function of how you use it. And it's not just specializing itself in the sense of, of uh, it actually evolves the machinery so that, so that machines that can only operate, you can say, with low efficiency and at low speed when you start, ultimately can operate with very high efficiency and very high reliability at very high speed if you engage it with appropriate forms of practice. And we know this because every time we evolve an ability, we go from some primitive state where we're very, very lame and limited in how we do it, right? And, and then we advance progressively. And, and if we were intense enough about it or serious enough about it, we can go to a high state, almost unbelievably better than where we started. And that is a direct product of brain change. You actually have a different brain. You have a brain now that is, let's say, a tennis playing brain that before was not. And whatever the skill, whatever matters to you, you're subject to put yourself on a track of progressive improvement, of course. Because that's what the brain is all about. It's, about, it's a machine, basically, that's designed to change itself as a function of use. And Max, what a gift. Yes. Imagine. You know, 
what gift? And how underutilized a gift. It's astounding when you think about it. <laughs> yes, it's, it's absolutely astounding, right? And the way I always think about it is like most yeah. animals when they're born, right? They're basically right. able to function by themselves. They're able to feed themselves. They're able to hunt or whatever it is. But human beings were born like a, this lump of flesh and blood that can't even hold its own head up, right? And somehow <laughs> through years and really decades of learning and growing and you know, eventually learning to walk and then talk and, and move around the world and experience things, we're able to live these incredible lives and send people to the moon and do all these crazy things. Right. But only through the deliberate practice of, of really our mental faculties, right? Right, exactly. And Max, you know, one of the amazing things about our adaptive species is this adaptability. I mean, you can land a human <laughs> citizen <laughs> anywhere on the planet and they can figure out how to survive there and thrive there and how they can develop all of the special skills and tools or whatever that's required to thrive there. And that is a pretty special, pretty advanced ability, or you could say range of abilities that comes directly from their brain plasticity, from the capacity of their brain to change as a function of use to their benefit. So we all have this within us. Every one of us is adaptive, just as adaptive as it, you know, in ways that could, could have set us up for the challenges in life to make more of life than commonly we we than we commonly do. Yeah, it's super fascinating. What this makes me think of is this this amazing quote by Abraham Lincoln. He once said, "Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend yeah. the first four sharpening the axe." Yeah. Right? So, so what, what this means for me is like you want to first maximize your ability to do the thing, right? You want to sharpen the axe instead of hitting it with like a dull axe, right? And right. that's really what we're talking about here with brain plasticity, right? We're trying to make our brains more effective. So that whether that's, you're a student trying to get better grades or whether you're you know, working on a certain project right. and you want to do this smarter and better and more productively, you want to first improve your mental ability to actually perform the task, right? That's a wonderful point. You know, it's a little bit like a tree where you have to worry about the quality of the roots and the trunk, you know, before you start moving <laughs> around with yeah. how you think about the foliage, you know? I mean... You have, to, you have to have developed the basic skills and abilities, you could say, that support complex and highly sophisticated function. And, and, and of course, that might take more elemental forms of practice. Maybe they were inadequate in your younger life, or maybe because of the way your younger life was directed, you never really refined those skills and abilities of support where you want to be in life. But at any point in life, it's correctable because it's all plastic. So... You, you know, you can think about what you need to do to, 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 to grow that edifice, you know, from the roots up. And, and, and uh, it might require that you, also, Max, many people don't realize, you know, there is no real brain medicine. You know, you go to the doctor and, 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 uh, and the doctor asks you how you're doing and you say, I'm doing okay. You've just had your annual exam. There is no, there is no management of brain health. Basically, in the medicine of the brain, they wait for disaster. Yeah. And when it's unequivocally clear that the train is off the track, then they give it a label and they, be, and they try to treat it. Mm. But actually, we should be continuously managing our brain health. And there's a brain health issue. Every brain is not equally healthy, just like every liver or heart or, yeah. or kidney is equally healthy. And, and one of the ways that these differences are expressed is in the very elemental processing ability that, 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 that the brain is, is, uh, is capable of achieving. 
How reliable is it? How fast is it? How accurate is it in its operations? And reliability, accuracy, speed is absolutely an index of how healthy it is physically. Max, one of the most important experiments that we, I did as a scientist, I did this with other uh, wonderful young scientists, is we made a whole list of not just wiring of the brain, but also the physical brain. You can think of the brain as an organ. How well is it vascularized? How well is the brain controlling blood flow and oxygen pr pr provision and so forth? How, how, well, how physically uh, advanced is the brain? And then we looked at brains that were struggling and we looked at two classes of struggling brains. I'm really old and I'm, I'm beginning to, I can no longer control myself like I could when I was young or struggling brain number two, I've had a really terrible early life. And now I'm a young adult or the equivalent of a teenager and everything is falling apart, right? Wow. And so we looked at these two classes of brains and we contrast them with a brain that was young and vigorous and had a good life, right? And you, we looked at all of these things and they were all degraded. Wow. In both the old brain and in the brain of the, in, of the young, in this case, an animal model that, that, wow. that, that, that had a terrible early life. And then... We trained them and we said, we're going to train them with the consideration of improving their brain health. So we trained them for a month and in almost every index, the brain looked like the brain of an, of an animal that had a good life in a young, wow. healthy, vigorous life. Also, the, it, the brain is plastic on a very large scale and it's not just wiring. It's the things that relate to the health of the organ. So you're not just trying, it's not just your job to try to continuously improve your life and your functional abilities and things that matter to you, right? You're just a damn fool not to do that. <laughs> but it's also an issue of sustained health. And really that's what uh, the exercises at Brain HQ were designed to do. They're re really designed fundamentally to improve elemental performance and to assure sustained health. Wow, that is so interesting. And I really want to dive deeper later into some specific brain exercises and brain HQ, what you guys are doing there. Right. But I really first want to bring home this point um, that, that you sort of alluded to, which is like brain health and performance is not like an old person's game, right? It's not until like you have to wait until you're 50 or 60 to start worrying about it, right? And so most of our listeners here, you know, you know, young students, young athletes that really want to you know, bring their life to the next level. And so I think especially in that age, it's also right. important to realize like you don't have to wait 30 years to take charge of your brain and you know, take care of it, but it's an like, everyday job from the moment that you're born, basically, right? Well, it should be, we should be managing brain health from birth to death. You know, it should be a lifelong interest of every, and, and to the extent to which you're old enough and understand that you have this capacity to improve your, your uh, neurological assets and to improve your health, you know, whatever that age is, from that point forward, it should be important to you. Because it is important. I mean, your brain is you. Yeah. For Christ's sake, you know. And, and the extent to which you're evaluating the quality of your life, most of the things that you do not view positively are neurological, really. They're neurological. So, of course, you want to have a healthy physical life, but you absolutely want to have a healthy you. And so... When you think about your functionality or you think about your, it should be an ever-present 
sort of background interest of you, just like your physical body should be an ever-present background interest to you. You know, you should be, you're the keeper of it. You're, you're, you're a responsible agent. Yeah. <laughs> it should be part of your consideration of, of having a well-managed personal life. 100% amen to that. And, and you, you start mentioning the, the physical aspect, right? And this right. is something also that, you know, hasn't always been commonplace, right? In fact, it's, it's only been a couple of decades now where, you know, sort of popular culture has made exercise, going to the gym, running sort of a normal and healthy thing to do. Right. And I think right. we're sort of at the front, right? Where we're sort of trying to make mental training and mental fitness the same thing right now. We're just right. common and every there, everywhere, basically. So for you being right really at the forefront of this, what do you think it's going to take for sort of the general population to realize like, hey, this brain thing, it's really important. Like maybe yeah. I should start really <laughs> looking into brain fitness and not just my biceps, right? Well, what that, do you think that, it's going to take for that? <laughs> well, you're helping as we speak. But, <laughs> but I think what we need, I think we need a movement. You know, I've been trying to, to uh, encourage officials in, 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 you know, at a uh, national level in, in, in the U.S. to... Uh, to acknowledge this as an important issue, because I think if we, I think could, I think we need a movement in which, uh, or, or we can, you know, gradually, of course, this, 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 this notion will win out. And, and the other thing that I think that is driving it is that there's enormous savings of money and it's hard to make issues of money. I, you know, I, that's, it's not really about issues of money. It's really about issues of, of, uh, of human human uh, value and protection and, and, and uh, have humans having a good life. But, you know, that, that will drive a lot of this because we very, very foolishly neglect brain health at enormous expense. And, uh, and so I think that ultimately it's for, there's just no, no question that this will become common parlance, but it could happen tomorrow if we gen could generate a movement around it. And still just a small fraction of people understand that 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 their brain is continuously positively changeable and it's under their control they are the captain of the ship and 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 that in a sense not to be exercising them their brain in ways that are useful to them is irresponsible or at the very least foolish <laughs> yes, and, uh, and just, just to provide some data, some background for our listeners here, um, what Brain HQ, what your research studies have actually found is that the percentage of car accidents, like with your own fault, actually dropped by 48%. This was really mind-blowing to me, right? A 48% right. decrease, sorry, a decrease in at-fault car crashes through the use of like these exercises, which is just mind-boggling if you think about it, right? Right, and that was with 10 hours of work you know wow. 10 hours out of life you know that that's a that's a very small <laughs> life right that's just incredible right if you really think about how you could massively change like the, yeah like the chance of getting car crashes all around the world yeah right so it, it doesn't take much of an effort to change the brain in a way that changes its operational performance characteristics i don't mean to say that it's not effortful you know because what i really think is, is that if you understood what your brain is asking you to do in your everyday life you know, it would, you would, there, it's not nothing, yeah. you know, it's a little bit like physical exercise, you know, I mean, a brain, it takes, takes exercise, takes effort, takes some consideration, but the value of it is enormous because what it will translate to is a, a longer, healthier, safer life. 
it'll, it'll, it, it will translate to a life of continuous improvement in your abilities to operate on the planet as opposed to assured decline. You know, and why would you ever choose to uh, just to accept that decline? I mean, that, that's a rather, rather uh, silly. And, well, <laughs> it is an alternative. I think people don't have the right to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. Very, very silly choice, right? <laughs> but I think it is, a, it is important for people to realize that they do have a choice, right? Because most people, have a choice. Um, they, like, you know, if they've never heard about brain plasticity, for example, they think it's right. just going to be this gradual decline for the rest of their lives, right? At the end of right. like 20, 30, and from there on, it's just downhill, right? It's like it's low I gradual decline. It's the, like, that's I actually can, not the case. It's the I can't do that anymore syndrome, you know? Yeah, this, this like you can't teach it all like old, old like new tricks, right? And you, I think this idea really permeates culture, right? I've heard that so many times growing up. Like people told me, I, you know, after a certain age, you can't learn that next, next language. You can't do this. You can't become great at this skill, whatever it is, right? Right. Why try that? Right. Yeah. Right. right. And, and part of it is, is that we, you know, you imagine that everything should be effortless. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to take up playing the violin when I'm 30. You imagine that's really easy, right? Cause I'm older. Yeah. And now. Well, <laughs> all of those basic skills still take quite a bit of effort to master. For sure. You know, actually I was uh, just the other day, I was talking to Anders Ericsson. Um, don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, but he's a fantastic researcher. So also for our listeners that really looked at like what it takes to create expert performances. Right. And what right. he's found is just takes a ridiculous amount of like thousands of hours of work to get great at anything. And so to your point, I think this, this aspect of it has to be effortful, right? Like brain training, just like anything else, it should be, you know, hard and challenging because otherwise you're not pushing yourself. Right. Right. No, actually it's a condition for change. So a condition for change is that it be, and it's, it's one of the problems we have with Brain HQ because Brain HQ is continuously challenging. So people that want to go to a computer and play games and fool around mm -hmm. don't always like that. They say, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm never perfect. You know, I never get all the answers. No, <laughs> right. Well, if you got all the answers right, nothing changes in the brain. Yeah. You know this, they've actually studied this intensely. And, you know, when you get all the answers, brain, the brain knows that. <laughs> say hey I'm gonna it doesn't need right. to push right <laughs> why would i change anything so the yeah. brain is smart smart about that so the brain is actually enables change as a function of outcome but it also has a a a, a condition to be in a plastic or a changing mode and the, and the condition is is that it has to matter to it you could you could put it that way it has to matter to the brain it, it, it so in a sense you have to be engaged and, 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 and you have to be, if you're in the mode in which you're evaluating whether you're doing, doing things properly or not, or getting the answer right, or, or, uh, or achieving your goal, and, and, and you don't achieve it, uh, that's okay as long as you don't achieve it only every so often, right? Because you're, you're actually working on the level in which you can advance. And the other th important thing about this is, is that most of important changes in the brain that relate to its health have to be progressive you have to go from where you are and what you can do and you can say a series of small steps to get to what you really want to do which might be a mountain above what you can do now right i mean you can't expect to pick up the violin and play a great concerto yeah. on day two right <laughs> you gotta go on a series of small steps and that's true of any aspect of what you want to be better at you say well i can 
let's try a little harder one today. You know, let's try a little harder one tomorrow. And, and uh, it, it, it's, it's in that taking life, not, this is not stressful, this is fun. But on the other hand, it has a level of seriousness to it. I'm not just fooling around. I'm, you know, I'm, I am a living, vital human being with one chance of life on earth, and I'm going to continue to change in a positive direction, right? So it's, I, I, I call it a spirited life. Just live, spirited a, life. just live a spirited life. You know, live a life as if the life matters. It's what you're doing matters. And, and, and I think that uh, uh, that can change everything because you can put yourself on a forward progression and keep yourself there as long as possible. Wow, spirited life. Can you elaborate a little more on that? That sounds really interesting. Well, I just think that the critical thing is, is that you, you're, 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 you, prepare yourself, you prepare yourself, you put yourself in the mode for change as a rule. You know, if you think of what you're doing in your everyday life and you think about, you know, always think about, well, uh, you put yourself in the, in the mode of what, what you're doing in, in that everyday life of improvement. Could I be a little faster at uh, basically manipulating this, uh, this keyboard in front of us? You know, whatever it is. And uh, so I just believe that you should live life with a lively, engaged uh, you know, engagement in the, of the things around you in life. And if your brain is healthy and lively and active, then one of the first things it does, it upregulates the brightness that, uh, that, that commands your day. And that, that's the other aspect of it that we haven't talked about, Max, and that is that the machinery in the brain that controls learning rate, that controls change rate, and the machinery in the brain that basically controls your brightness, your alertness, how on the ball you are, how alive you are. It's plastic. Yeah. So when you live life, uh, in a sense, just full of it, you sustain it. Mm-hmm. And you wake up in the morning, you know, eager for life, and you live life in, in, with the lights on. You know, wow. you, you control the dimmer switch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that matter. I love that. Absolutely. Cause, cause one of the big challenges I see with people, like when I'm just walking through the city, most people are so checked out, right? They're like living this Instagram feed, like on their social media phones, right? They're like living somewhere else, but not here in the moment, actually being attentive to their life, right? They, like the light is just switched off completely sometimes. Right. right and it right. hurts almost to see that. So, so I love yeah. what he's saying here. And that, and that's a dramatic change too. You know, I, I take a walk every morning in my neighborhood and, and, and uh, over the last 30 years, it's changed dramatically. 30 years ago, people acknowledge you on the street. Yeah. In my part of the world, which is a friendly place, you know, almost everyone would nod to you or acknowledge your existence or in some other way, or give you some little polite uh, greeting. Now, no, almost no one does. Mm. Almost everyone is self-absorbed in themselves, basically turned off to everything around them. And one of the most important things our brain is engaged to do is to continually examine the environment around them and look for things that don't fit it and look for things that are interesting, novel, or could, could engage it, could be exciting, could be something that we need to put a valence to. Is this a, a source of fun? Is it a source of threat? Is it a source of what? And, and, and uh, you gotta keep exercising the brain in ways like that. You, know, you can't withdraw from the world. Yes, so, 
there are a lot of things about what is happening in mo a modern life that are really questionable from the point of view, and we could say are arguably very negative from the point of view of brain health, that add to our challenges of keeping our brain alive and healthy and growing. For sure. And I think one of the biggest challenges I also see is, is like the lack of relationships nowadays people have, right? The lack of right. friendships, the lack of like in like person, real conversation about real things that matter, right? Rather than just checking right. on the phones or whatever. Or interactive games where in one way or another, you know, you, there's a level of both of co cooperation and competition. You know, those, those kind of, uh, those kind of uh, activities that were uh, so much so vital for us in making our adjustments of how we interact with people in the moment. And, uh, yeah, and, and also a withdrawal from that, from the out of doors, a withdrawal from the physical environment. You know, in, it, it, it requires a change of our evaluation of what we would, will find to be something that should pleasure us or, 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 or contribute to, our, to the valence that we have in, in our mood. Because historically, those things were largely controlled by what we saw outside. And now we withdraw from that to all, all of these artificiality, all of this artificial... Uh, so our, our whole weighting of how we adjust our, how we feel about things comes to this artificial canned form of delivery of the positive and the negative in life. And uh, everything positive and negative in life shouldn't be limited to what we see in a little a little screen. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I, I was talking to him, I forgot, somewhere at work the other day, and, and basically what he was doing is he was – um, working with a group where in, in Russia, right, where they had like a bunch of farms and cows there. And what they realized is if they, if they gave those cows virtual reality glasses and showed them like beautiful scenery of, you know, nice summertime grass and whatever else, right, those cows would actually produce more milk. And so like <laughs> the cows in some, some farm in Russia somewhere in the winter, right, would live in this virtual reality of it being summer and nice and warm, right? I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing. But oh, in some way, I think, I I think all of us are doing that, right? <laughs> I've often wondered about how wonderful it must be for a cow to come out after the first big rain and <laughs> see all of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, oh, finally. <laughs> yeah, fi finally getting out there again, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just like, the craziest example of, of how yeah. far we've really taken this, like, virtual reality and online and always on the phones yeah. and not really yeah. going outside and actually right. living life. Yeah, no, no, that is a wonderful example. Yeah, so, so one of the things I'm super fascinated with, I call this the fundamental four things of exercise, nutrition, sleep, and, and meditation, or some, some kind of mindfulness exercise. And I truly believe that those four things are so key to, to really general happiness in life. But how do they play into brain performance and brain plasticity? Do you know of any research there? Well, first of all, when you think of exercise, remember that the brain is controlling your physical actions. And it's controlling the, their elaboration. So to my mind, exercise is only half useful if it's repetitive and, uh, and uh, it's, if it's all about aerobics or even all about aerobics and strength because there's not much neurology in that. Where the neurology comes in is when you're challenging your, yourself to move in some new way yeah. or in some more elaborate way. Or you could say it's better to think about if I want to perform some action to think about the 101 ways that I could do it 
and be good at all of those as opposed to be good at one of them. And because behind that is a complex neurology. And, uh, and, and you want to continue to be, be refining and elaborating that neurology. So it's, it's not just about it. And it's one of the really great ways to exercise your brain in general is to physically exercise in a way that continue. So, you know, just to give you a simple example, I, and I talk about this in my book, Softwired, as an example, we paved the world. So that, what's, that's another way of saying we've done that so that every footfall is certain. Yeah. And, and, and by, because every footfall is certain, our walking can be stereotypic. Mm. We don't have to think about walking at all, generally. And, and, and so even, you can even go to a park in the city. And even there. It's <laughs> the damn park pathway is paved, right? <laughs> in a way, it's important because people can't walk now on the regular, regular surface anymore. So I turn off the phones. <laughs> but what's the native state? The native state is, is that every footfall is on potentially uneven ground and is uncertain. And every, every, every time that uncertain step occurs, that is to say a little variation occurs, there's visual slip, things move in our vision, there's a little stimulus to, our, to our, the, the sensations back from our body and our vestibular system, our system of balance. And all of those require a little adjustment and there's a little variation in the actual movement we've made with our foot, our desk, our legs, right? Mm -hmm. What we're doing is we're continuously self-elaborating our ability to stand and move on the planet Earth, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's just remove all that. 200,000 practice tries a year. <laughs> let's just... <laughs> in all kinds of ways, we do that. We go to the gym and we go to an elliptic sum machine and we practice endlessly and we're very physically fit, mm -hmm. but we're still not, we still trip on the crack on the sidewalk. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yeah, this is so true. You know, the, how I realize that when I'm walking like up a staircase, right? And like this one right. stair, like this one step is like a little bit higher than the rest of it, right? And you don't pay attention, but because you're automatically just stepping every step the same way, you'll fall, right? <laughs> it's happened to me so many times. Um, right. Also, what I realized, I, I'm a huge fan of like mountain running, right? Going out in the mountains, right? So snow and water pits and, you know, in the forest. And every step there is uneven, right? Every step is a little bit different. And so your yeah. mind is so much more like there's such a greater demand on it than if you're right. just running on a road, right? Because all of a sudden you have to pay attention. You have to look at your feet and be like, how do I yeah. not, you know, break my neck basically here? <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's what I was going to go to was exactly that. And that is find activities, in which there's variation of movement. You know, I mean, there, you can find it in a lot of activity games, you know, where you know, there's a lot of variation of movement in a net game, generally, because you're moving your body in all kinds of ways that, are, uh, that, that require that you basically hit the ball from any direction or in it, almost any posture, right? But get off the road, get off the sidewalk, you know, get out there on your bike or on your feet and, and, uh, and scramble around on the earth again. That's really what you're designed to do, right? <laughs> and, and that's a very good form of exercise. It's got all the aerobics, and, and, but it also has a lot of brain exercise. And if it also, if you think about it as something in which you're challenging yourself, I say, I'm going to go from this relatively simple form, and now I'm going to try this on a little diff different level and a little different level. You know, can, you can gradually get to a, a point where you're, you're, you know, you're really, really much more proficient in your ability of your brain to control your action. Yes. And that's really what you're after. 
Uh, I find it so fascinating, right? Because because as children, we're always out there like exploring, right? And out in the wilderness, crawling through, you know, the forest and all this. And then when we grow up, we're told, hey, just don't get dirty, right? And like, don't, you know, do this weird stuff, right? Just walk on the sidewalk of the street, right? And we still <laughs> become conditioned, right? To, to really take the easy path and always the clean path, never get dirty, never actually move in ways that would force us to neurologically adapt. And Max, when you see that zombie on the street, <laughs> walking with their with their cell phone or with their with their with their earbuds yeah. uh you're seeing somebody that's really not paying attention to their walking their physical movement yes. is absolutely automatized mm -hmm. and uh and and that person is really wasting their the physical time they have in life all they get from it is a very primitive level of aerobics and they should be out there engaged. You know, basically we're designed to be masters of our physical environments. We're designed to understand them and know them and know all of, you know, and to record their landmarks and know everything about them. Yeah. And yet so many people are just withdrawn from that. If you ask the average person, you know, uh, this is a point I try to make in my book, you know, uh, think about the things that are on your street in detail. Go house by house and think of what's there. Think of the shrubs and the, and the, and the, and the ornamentation on the houses and all of the things. Then go maybe two blocks away. Some street that you're very familiar with. Maybe you drive past it every morning, every evening. And now think in detail exactly what's there. <laughs> now go and look. And most people actually haven't recorded it. Wow. <laughs> Even though it's, it's part of their natural territory. Yes. If, you were, if you were an actual human being in, the, in, a, in an early state of existence, you'd oh, know. Oh, you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, this is something we're designed to do. Our neurology is designed to do this, to continually examine what's where and, and to look for anything that's different or doesn't fit it. Because uh, that could represent a threat to us. It could be something that is, is, is edible or usable or something. So, uh, but the modern human is very, very poor at that. We're just not engaged when they're out there moving. And that's, that's a loss. That's nice. a loss. For sure. And to this point, it makes me think of this story I heard recently um, of this, you know, this monk going to this, you know, huge, the final test basically in front of the grandmaster of, of some monastery, right? And he walks into the door and the grandmaster asks, as the, you know, the final question after years of study, he asks, what was the color of the flower next to the door? I love it. <laughs> and the monk just, just shakes his head, he forgot. And he, he didn't know, he didn't pay attention, right? Because he was so focused on this great, great question, right? <laughs> and he walks back and trains for another 10 years. And that's really would, what, what this, this reminded me of, right? It's like, Max, I'm going to steal that story. That's, that's such a great story. Yeah, I thought it was such it's a fascinating thing, right? Because we're always thinking yeah. so big in, in terms of these great things, but we don't pay attention to what's actually around us, right? The thing that exactly. actually matters most. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we, we talked about some things now that, that people can do to really boost their brain health. But what are some other really specific sort of exercise that people you know, at home can try right now? Um, was it a brain HQ or somewhere else? What can people do to really boost their brain health? Well, I think brain HQ is, is represents a good strategy for sort of finding your ground again. And uh, if there, especially if there are issues of brain health or issues of uh, of weakness that are emerging weakness, yeah. you could say. Uh, 
try to get back to a steadier point, but it's not enough. And, 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 and the real thing to, to, to get to beyond Brain HQ is a readjustment of how you think about living your life. So what you really need is, uh, but I, I, I recommend that if you in any sense think that you haven't been a good custodian of your life or that, you, you know, and uh, just, just so you know, a lot of incredibly effective people use Brain HQ to advance because everyone can advance their, the processing machinery of their brain. So, I mean, for God's sakes, Tom Brady uses Brain HQ. I mean, a lot, a lot of people use <laughs> to advance, right? So you can be at the, in a sense, the peak of your performance ability, but still benefit from it. But, but beyond that, a life of continuous learning. That's the first thing that I, I would emphasize. And by learning, I mean, not just reading another book or that's, which is also good, by the way, you don't want to continue <laughs> your understanding of things, but learning new skills and abilities. Because that's basically exercising the machinery of your brain that controls change. And, and it's very elemental. You want to continuously exercise the machinery that controls change. So it's not just being active. It's being an active learner. It's being an active at, at acquiring new ability or advancing ability. Now, as long as you're you take anything, even the things that are well-practiced. I mean, I might have golfed for 30 years, but as long as I think about golfing and being on a trajectory of trying to be just a little better, golfing for neurologically is more useful to me because now just that trying to be a little better basically means that I'm engaging the learning machine in my brain. It matters to me now, right? So that's the first lesson is that to do things that matter to you and then that thinks about things that are important to you and then just try to advance your ability in them you know think about things that have always you've always felt that are subject to many of these things that are not necessarily on a material skill level they might be relate something about how you're lead, leading your life or living your life that irritates other people or that <laughs> you right because all of those things are changeable in a positive way. You are a work in progress. So uh, maybe you have things you should have gotten to a lot, lot, lot of years ago, <laughs> but you can still get better at them, and you can still improve or correct them. So uh, understanding, you know, it's basically to live a life with a plan for change and advancing yourself in a positive direction in whatever matters to you. I mean, you want to continually be a more interesting and more effective a person, and you want to sustain your abilities and sustain your health. Max, one of the things I strongly recommend people do, one of the things that's easy to do at Brain HQ is to go there and work at exercises in which you look at things like your attention control or your processing speed. If you just look at how fast your brain is, you look at how fast your brain is in sustaining its accuracy. Well, speed accounts for about half of the variation of adaptive intelligence. Wow. So it matters that you keep up your speed or that if you're a little slower than, you know, and if you calibrate yourself and you say, well, I'm at the 60th percentile, that's not good enough. <laughs> you know, shoot for the 90th. <laughs> you know, I mean, the same would apply to your accuracy. Is, is your brain reliably accurate? Does it make mistakes? 
are, are you unable to control your attention? Are you unstable? Are you subject to distractions? Are you, at Brain HQ, you can calibrate yourself and see how well you're doing as a function of, in relation to other people of your age or as a member of the human race in general. And calibrating yourself is important. Ultimately, you'll see, you'll be able to see in your everyday life, you'll be able to understand how you can calibrate your performance and things that you're doing in your everyday life. And, and what you want to be doing is managing your health. You want to be doing enough in your activities in life so that you're always fast and you're always accurate and you're always reliable and you're never too subject to distraction. Wow. So that's, that's my basic advice to people. I absolutely love that. And to, to me, what this speaks of is this deliberate focus on getting better, right? You really mentioned, right? Because it's, it's not enough to just say, okay, I'm going to do these exercises, have a little fun, do a little thing, right? But you want to have to get better, right? You have to exactly. like have this focus on actually, you know, trying to really stretch yourself to your limits and trying to see how good can I become, right? Can I really focus enough for these next 10 minutes and give it my best shot instead of just sitting right. there, you know, halfway checking your email, halfway doing this. And it's also, you know, trying to get a little effort only. You have right. to be focused completely, right? And actually do your best to then right. improve. And also when you're, when you do something that's, that is, you know, that is uh, just a little bit better, or maybe a lot better than what you, what, you, what you did before, you should always reward yourself. You know, you should always be paying attention to how you are doing. Yeah. Basically, because you're, you're, that self-evaluation, that process of self-evaluation, is the brain is continually evaluating how you're doing. It's evaluating how you're doing, and on the, base, and on the basis of that, it's rewarding you. It's saying, and that reward directly translates to change. Good job. <laughs> and a good job signal to you means the brain has changed itself just a little in, in the direction of that, that, that strengthens all of those things that contributed to that just occurring good job. It's a wonderful thing that the brain actually connects uh, a sense of joy with positive change. So that's, uh, you know, or, or you could say performance success. When, when the brain is acknowledging performance success, it's basically enabling change. Yes, so I love that. And, and over, over the last couple of weeks, really, this concept of self-actualization, you know, Maslow's you know, idea of you know, the hierarchy of needs, right? This has really become so interesting to me more than ever before, really. Because to me, what this means is like the better you become and the more skills you gain and the more you become who you're capable of becoming, the more joy you're also going to experience in life, right? And yeah. I, tr I truly believe in that. Um, yeah. and, and what you're saying here, because really the better you become, your brain is going to reward you for gaining new skills, for learning new things, for getting new insights, right? And all of this stuff actually makes you feel good. Yeah, no, absolutely. The brain, basically it's because you're exercising the machinery that contributes to your making you feel good, right? <laughs> so that's not a surprise. You know, that's working in tip top shape, just as your performance says. And, and, and uh, so that's absolutely right. You're, continue, you're continually engaging the, the feel-good part of the machinery of your brain. And this is one of your goals. Your goals that, one of your fundamental goals is to feel really positive about yourself. It's, it's, and, uh, you know, another complicated aspect of this, Max, is, is that it, this also relates to self-identification. You know, the captain in there, the person that you are, the self, 
is a product of your historic plasticity. So that, and it occurs because the brain is an associative machine and it's actually constructed your operations in the world on the basis of what goes with what and what is, what is expected to occur in the next moment in time. What an amazing thing that is, but it's actually constructed your world on that basis. And it's actually constructed the relationships that are controlling the stream of consciousness, that, that force which can drive you in thought or drive you in expectation forward in life or that carries you continuously with the things that have just occurred back in the previous minutes of your life. So all of this is because there are these continuously developed associations in what all of these things that go together at this moment of time that relate to the previous moment and the previous moment, the previous moment, and all of the predictions going forward from this moment to the next forward moment. Now, every time the brain is performing an, an, an act like this, it's making a second association. And the second association is to the source. And the source is you. So every time you have a feeling or you generate an action, a thought, there's this second association to its source. Billions and billions of moments of association of you as the source. And you grow, you grow from that source into the person that you are. And one of the things you want to have lots of association with is with that person in joy. And that person in positive advance and performance gain, right? You, Absolutely. You want, you want you to be a satisfied, self-satisfied, happy person. So all of this is plastic. You want that captain of the ship to be a reliable, powerful, effective captain. But you also want that captain to be happy. Yes, and I think this is such an important point that like that process of getting better is not this, you know, hunched over, like angry, frustrated, you know, thing where you're just like hustling your way through, but you actually want to enjoy the journey, right? And I think that's the point that many people oftentimes forget, whether they're students, whether they're athletes, that like the goal of the journey is not just to get to some magical end point and, you know, 20 years from now, but you actually love life every single day. And I think that's really one of the key takeaways here is that like you can actually enjoy the process of getting better on a daily basis. And you don't have to wait for your brain to be perfect, for you know, your performance to be perfect in order to be happy. Now, Another part of that, Max, that's really important is that if you have something that you, that you're, you do in life that's, that's in a sense episodic, I am an athlete. And I'm, and I'm very effective at it, but I come to a point where I can't be, you know, it can't be the center of my life anymore. So if you come to that point with the right resources, you have a very much higher probability of having a wonderful going forward life. Absolutely. Life is not over when, when, when part one is over. <laughs> it's it, you're, because you are a work in progress. <laughs> The, the best things can always be in front of you, always be in front of you. And, and so you have to look at life that way. You have to think about life with, with, with appreciation of the gift you've been given. And that's the gift to change for the better at any point in life. Or, you know, one of the great capacities that we do have, because our brains are plastic. We, we can reinvent ourselves. We can become something 
different and better in the next phase of our life. And uh, maybe not at, with as much adulation, but, mm-hmm. but certainly from the point of view of our own self-satisfaction, which is what really matters. I absolutely loved it. I think especially for, you know, athletes, I wasn't, I wasn't at that point, right, in a place where I had to give up athletics, um, you know, due to injuries and, and all that kind of stuff. And, right. and really what I found is like, it was, it, it's hard to shift, right? And I've seen many right. people, many other athletes struggle with that, right? Because you spend like years of your life pursuing this big thing, right? And right. all of a sudden it's over and you're like, so what now, right? Like, <laughs> Right. But I think what's important to realize, especially for, for people that have put years and decades into this one thing, is like you can grow better in like so many other aspects as well. If you take that same mindset, the same you know, work ethic with you, right. and you pour yourself into getting great then at you know, whatever it is for you um, that you want to take on in that next chapter of your life. But I think that's such an important point. That life is one, never over, right? That until the day you die, you can get great at virtually anything. Well, one of the things that most athletes have, or most people that were high performers have, is they, they do have an incredible uh, uh, self-control around that self-improvement. So, I mean, you got you have a main critical asset, you know, you could say, for driving yourself forward in a positive way, right? I mean, you're, you, you know what, what you have to do, to, do to, to advance in a way that would be important to you again, right? You know what you have to do. So that's a great asset. I mean, that's that's... It, it's of course it's somewhat self-selected that's what that's what uh if you don't have this basically nature and this ability or you haven't developed it in your like, young life you're never going to be a great athlete yeah you're just not 100 percent. now before i, I wrap it up because i know you have to go soon um one thing i always ask every single guest of my show is we love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to success and <laughs> maybe even better performance down the line. So you had an incredibly long and successful career, but you have one favorite failure that sticks out that actually over the long run made you a better version of yourself? Well, I, in, in science, you make errors. You know, sometimes you make errors. So I, I had, I, at one point, I planned a series of uh, critical experiments. I've spent about two years coming to a point in science where I realized that the fundamental premise of what I was trying to do, uh, the brain didn't cooperate. Wow. (laughs) I had had lined up experiments for several years in advance. It's complexly related to uh, the plasticity of how you change uh, performance in in improving precision and operations and time and what the brain, how the brain accomplished that. I was completely wrong. And sometimes when you're completely wrong, you talk about it. To other people, I got you get down this path and you talk about it to other scientists and you say this is the way it must work, and that's not the way the brain decided it did work. <laughs> Decide not to work like that. <laughs> you know, like, I not, think that's an important part of it, right? If you're like you know, at the leading edge of research, there's going to be not, moments where like you think but, you or you have this incredible idea and it doesn't turn out that way. But you're not supposed to talk out of church, you know. Scientists are supposed to <laughs> supposed to limit themselves to the things they know to be true and not and not blather. Yeah. So uh, it, it caused a self self correction that was important. For, but, sure, uh, for sure. And then I've had similar things. I say my biggest failure in acknowledged failure in early life was a, there was a realization when I was about 34, 35 that I was neglecting my children. Wow. And you know, you come to this realization that you're you're so intensely working on your work, you're so involved in your work. And I had uh three young children. Wow. And they were, I was, my, their mother was raising them. 
thank goodness she was such a good mother. But then you realize this, and you realize that, 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 that you know, I did this because I began to think when I was traveling for my, maybe my uh, fifth or sixth uh, time going across the country in the, on a flight in the air, that I couldn't remember what my children were up to over the last, you know, I had very little recollection of what they're actually doing over the last two or three months. And on a dime, I changed it. I, ch I changed how I interrelated, how I related to them, and I decided to be a father again. But yeah, everyone has these times in life in reflection when they realize what they're doing is just fundamentally wrong. And uh, so that's another thing in life. Sort those out. Your brain is plastic. <laughs> yeah, right. You can always change it. So thanks for sharing that. That's, that's such an important insight for, for people. Now, before I ask my final question, what's your favorite way to connect with you know, our listeners online? What are your, you know, your favorite social media platforms, Brain HQ, whatever links you would like to send people to? Well, uh, I strongly recommend that people read my book. Yes, uh, definitely. Wired. And uh, if you're interested in the subject, I mean, and then... I'm also just completing another book, so you can look for that to come come soon. But uh, but uh, and it also has a it has a uh, a website which basically provides the scientific documentation, but you could say behind the book and an extension. So that's another place, and uh, and then go to Brain HQ because Brain HQ is full of information. I mean, you don't have to buy anything; it's inexpensive in any event. And, uh, and Brainage has full information about the plastic brain and how it's working and how to make it better and stronger. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to link to that then. Those are the oh. most obvious, simple. And then I, I have a pretty good notion that they should continue to watch your podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I did pay him to do that, by the way. <laughs> no, my, my final question, <laughs> I really enjoyed this. What does mental mastery mean to you? Well, I think that that the, the ability to control your, your operations and thought and the ability to control your capacity to plan and to analyze and to operate in, in the domain of logic and logical is so critical. And life is so valueless without that or so impoverished without that. And anybody that's not concerned about it, anybody that's not concerned about their abilities as a logical operator in the world, uh, is uh, shortchanging themselves in their life, and uh, and it's more than just it's more than just your operational ability on your job or your it's your ability as a human to operate as a thoughtful, functioning human being and making the most out of life. And uh, to my mind, if you're not taking care of your brain, if your your brain is in poor health or has been neglected. If you're not making the most out of life, not making the most out of, uh, getting the most out of your brain, you're not making the most out of life. Yeah. And why would you want to waste the one chance you have on the planet Earth to have a good and long and effective life?